1: Welcome to the pastor's study. Three days ago, I turned 60 years old. And I had two different friends of mine say to me, yeah, when you turn 60, you can't pretend you're young anymore. (laughs) But you know what helped me? It helped me to read this. Galileo was 73 years old when he made some of his greatest discoveries. Michelangelo was still sculpting in his 80s. Hudson Taylor at age 70 was opening up the mission field in China. George Mueller began his evangelistic tours at age 71 and by age 87 had traveled around the world eight times. John Wesley at age 87 still preached regularly when tennyson was eighty three he wrote the famous poem crossing the bar benjamin franklin went to france in the service of america at age seventy eight it was after age seventy that vanderbilt amassed his one hundred million dollar fortune goethe at eighty completed faust titian the painter was still painting at age eighty seven all these people had some of their greatest accomplishments well after the year sixty five So. What I want us to do today, we're going to examine an old man, Simeon, and an old woman, Anna, both of whom had their greatest experience in life well after age 65. So would you take out your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2 and let's take a look at first Simeon for the men and then Anna for the women to see what our role model should be. Luke chapter 2, let's pray first. Father, there are old people watching this program, young people. We would pray, Lord, that you teach each of us to number our days and to remember that we're all here just for a second, and then there's eternity. God, teach us how to to grow old biblically now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 2, let me set this up. The baby Jesus has just been born Joseph and Mary bring him into the temple, and old Simeon and old Anna walk into the temple. Here we go. First, men. Let's see the kind of man God is encouraging you to be through Simeon. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. All right, let's take a look at Simeon. The first thing it says about him, he was righteous. Now, it doesn't say he was perfect, but it says he was righteous. And now, did he sin? Of course he did. But when he sinned, he repented, and overwhelmingly, generally, he led a righteous, holy life because he leaned strongly on the God of Israel. He was righteous. Second thing it says about Simeon, he was devout. The Greek word that we translate devout there literally means he took hold well, he was cautious, meaning he was intent, he was centered on God and on spiritual things, devout. And it says he was looking for the consolation of Israel, which simply means he was waiting for the Messiah He knew in the Old Testament God had promised to send a Savior, and he was waiting for God to keep His promise. And it says, the Holy Spirit was upon this old man. You know, many years ago when I came to my church up here, uh, they had a Saturday morning men's prayer meeting that had been going on for many years, and it went on for many years after I got to my church. And these were the godliest, sweetest men. And I was about the youngest person there. These guys were some in their 80s, etc. To hear these old men pray, the Holy Spirit was upon that group. One more thing about Simeon, verse 26. And it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In other words, Simeon received what's called special revelation. Now, not everybody gets this, but he did. We don't know if God spoke to him audibly or if he had a dream or an impression. We don't know how, but somehow the Holy Spirit told him, you're not going to die until you see the the Savior. Next thing, verse 27. And Simeon came in the Spirit into the temple... And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, that would have been circumcision. I want you to notice the words, into the temple. Notice that Simeon knew where the temple was. In other words, in our our language, we'd say Simeon was a churchgoer. So a 13-year-old says to me, "You know, Pastor Brock, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? And what I said to her was, You know, it's hard enough to be a Christian in this world having the support of the church. I wouldn't want to try to be a Christian in this world without the support of my Christian brothers and sisters. And I said, I think you better, if you say you're a Christian, you better be in a church. And Listen, if you're one of these people who says, I can be a Christian without going to church, can you show me that verse? It's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is Hebrew chapter 10. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And I'll say this too. If you can't give God one hour a week, are you a Christian? <laughs> Simeon knew where the church was. Go to church if you don't go to church. And then look at verse 27 again. Uh, verse 28. Simeon took the baby Jesus into his arms and he blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. Here's the next thing about Simeon. He looked forward to death. He calls it a release there in that verse. <laughs> Quoting a, a commentator by the name of Schaff, Simeon was delivered from fear of death by the child Jesus. He cannot desire to see anything greater on earth, He has seen the sacrifice for sin in his arms. He is now assured of eternal life. Why then should he desire to remain any longer on earth? So, especially the men, let me ask you this question. Are you a Simeon? Do you have the assurance of your salvation? Are you looking forward to death? Okay. I have a friend who was out in the fishing boat with his dad, and he never had had this talk with dad, and he decided to do it. And he said, Dad... If you died, are you sure you'd go to heaven?" And dad said, yes. And, and dad, if you died, why do you believe you'd go to heaven? And dad basically said, I believe in Jesus. I'm trusting him alone for my salvation. And boy is my friend glad he had that talk with dad because shortly after that, dad died of a heart attack suddenly. Are you a Simeon? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? If you don't have the assurance of your salvation, I would encourage you men, open your Bible to John 3.16 and read it over and over and over until you get the assurance of your salvation. Simeon looked forward to death. John Quincy Adams, President of the United States, in his old age this happened. When John Quincy Adams was 80 years of age, he met a friend in the streets of Boston. The friend shook the old man's trembling hand and said, Good morning, and how is John Quincy Adams today? Thank you, was the ex-president's reply. John Quincy Adams himself, himself is quite well, thank you but the house in which he lives is presently becoming dilapidated. It is tottering upon the foundation. Time and seasons have nearly destroyed it. Its roof is pretty well worn out. Its walls are much shattered. It trembles with every wind. The old tenement is becoming almost uninhabitable, and I think John Quincy Adams will have to move out of this house soon, but he himself is quite well, thank you, quite well." <laughs> you know, Here's the point, if you know Jesus, you know your sins are forgiven, you know, you know you're going to heaven for eternity, It's not that big a deal what happens to your body. I've told this story before, but here's a little girl who would skip through the graveyard on her way home from school every day. And an old man is seeing her do this. And finally, one day he stops her and says, little girl, I see you every day skipping through this graveyard. Aren't you afraid to walk through this big graveyard all by yourself? And she said, no, sir, because I know my home is right on the other side. You know, you and I are going to go into that graveyard someday. It's going to be a lot easier for you to go into that graveyard if you know Jesus and you know right on the other side of the grave is your eternal home. Look at verse 30. Simeon says to God, For my eyes have seen your salvation. Here's the next thing to say about Simeon. He believed in salvation many years ago an indian chief converted to christianity some of the neighboring chiefs heard of his new religion they met with him and they said we hear you're saved what does it mean this saved and the old chief took a handful of wooden chips and put them in a circle he put a worm in the middle of the circle and he lit the chips on fire and they watched as this worm tried to go this way and was repelled back in the middle, this way and repelled back. And Finally, the chief took his hand, pulled the worm out of the ring, and put him safely to the side. And the chief said, that's what saved is. I was that worm. I deserved hell for my sins, but my great father sent his son Jesus to come to earth and to pull me out and to save me for eternity. That's what saved means. Verse 31. I've seen your salvation, God, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. And the father and the mother were amazed at the things which were being said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, to Mary, he says, to the end that many thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Here's the next thing to say about Simeon. He spoke for God. He said to everybody, Look, this little baby, he'll either raise you or... or You'll either rise or fall because of him. It's heaven or hell. You'll be damned or saved because of this baby. He was bold about that. Let me ask you, men, are you bold to speak for God? Do people know where you stand? (laughs) Some years ago, I was asked to come do the opening prayer at a pro-life banquet. And the lady says to me, now, Pastor Brock, we want to invite you to do this. But by the way, most people there will be Christians, but there'll be some Jewish people and others too. So would you please just not pray in Jesus' name? And I basically said to her, you got the wrong guy here. If I can't pray in Jesus' name, I'm not not the guy you want. And she said, well, I'll have to get back to you. Well, she called me back. Okay, you can pray in Jesus' name. (laughs) But here's the deal. You know, men, let's be a simian. Let's speak for God. Let's stand for God. Let's not be apologetic about Jesus. Now let's turn to the women. Let's see Anna as the role model for women. Uh, Luke 2 36 and there was a prophetess Anna the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher she was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84 she never left the temple serving night and day. Here's the next thing It, it says Anna never left the temple in other words she lived for church I've met ladies like this, older ladies. They love the church. They're always at church doing something to serve the Lord. Um, you know, can we talk for a minute about the beauty of celibacy, of, of 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 being a single person and not engaging in sex? You know, I live in a townhouse. I've lived there for 25 years. I think three couples, old couples, were shacking up next to me without the benefit of holy matrimony. You know, fornication's a sin, whether you're 17 or 70. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. Anna was a celibate. Her husband died and she was pure for the Lord. And listen to what Paul says about celibacy. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 32. Paul says, "I want you to be free from concern. One who is married is concerned about the things of the Lord. Excuse me, one who is unmarried is concerned about things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his spouse." and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. In other words, if you're a widow, use use your your alone years to serve the Lord like Anna did. Don't get into the sins of the flesh like like so many do in our day. If if you're single Christian whether you've never been married or you're a widow, your option is to stay single and pure and celibate for the Lord. Use your celibacy to serve the Lord. And it says about Anna, she served with prayers and fastings. She was a prayer warrior. I mean this lady her name was Fran, a white-haired lady. She loved the Lord. When I would have a problem, I would call Fran. She's, she's dead now, but I, I'd say, Fran, i got this problem. Would you pray for this? And I would more than once, I would call Fran, because I heard somebody say once, you get the white-haired ladies of your church praying for something, it's over. <laughs> and if you've got a prayer chain at your church where some of the elderly women especially pray for things, use it. Anna, serve the Lord with prayers and fasting. And look at verse 38. At that very moment, Anna came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him, Jesus, to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Next thing to say about Anna, she spoke of Jesus to all. Anna was just this old lady that would just talk about now the, the Savior that come, came into the temple as an infant. When I was in seminary, part of our training was to visit a nursing home and to read the Bible and pray with people. There was an old missionary to Madagascar. Her name was Ella. And I would walk into her room. She had a liver ailment, so she'd be crippled over in pain. And I'd go over to have a prayer with her. And she, I didn't minister to her, she ministered to me. And she would quote the Bible I am convinced that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be ours in Christ Jesus. And she just, you know, she barely talked, I think, sometimes, but she just spoke of Jesus, spoke of Jesus. Let me ask you women, do you do that? Do you talk to your children about Jesus, your grandchildren about Jesus, your neighbors about Jesus? That's what Anna would do. And notice what her message was when she talked. It says she was talking about, in verse uh, 38, she spoke about the redemption of Jerusalem. Her message was redemption. You know, it's easy to talk to people about church. Yeah, I go to church. no. Get right to the meat of the matter. Talk to people about redemption. I mean, I I thank God for, when I was in college, I thank God for this college woman by the name of Pam who took me aside and talked to me, not about church or about this or that. She talked, Tom, are you redeemed? Do you understand the redemption through Christ, that it, it is by His grace and by the death of Christ that we're saved? I mean, she talked redemption. Let me share with you the two worst missed opportunities I've ever seen in my life. We're going to go way back. Do you remember when the space shuttle exploded? Way back in what, the, the 80s, I think it was. So millions of people watching the memorial service on television. The Presbyterian pastor, God forgive him, gets up to preach. And I prayed, Lord, millions are watching this. May he preach the gospel. You know what his opening prayer was? Oh, God, who we call by many different names and to whom we come through many different routes. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. He was a universalist that everywhere, Buddha, Jesus, you name it, it all works. No, it doesn't. He preached his message. This Presbyterian pastor, he didn't mention Jesus. That's the worst, missed, second worst missed opportunity. Few, some years ago, Ronald Reagan dies. Millions of people are watching his funeral. The Episcopal priest gets up to do the message. The Episcopal preach, priest Nice flowery, nice sermon, didn't mention Jesus. (laughs) And I just was so grieved. You know, if Anna was given that message, you know what she would have preached? Redemption, that through Christ we can be redeemed. Let's look, let's let's just close at this point. One, One more thing I'll tell you about. This is on the news. This is the best thing I've ever seen on the news true story, I think down south, a 93-year-old lady who's still able to drive is in her car. A thief opens the door, sits next to her, puts the gun next to her and says, give me your money. They're interviewing this lady on TV. And I said to him, I'm not going to give you my money, but young man, you need Jesus. And she starts sharing the gospel with him. And that young man started to cry and he left my car. (laughs) That's Anna. You talk to people not about the church or flowery things. You talk about Jesus and redemption. All right, let's close this. Men, God would have each of us be a Simeon. Be bold, speak for God, and know that you're saved through Christ's death and be looking forward to death. And women, God would have you be an Anna. Talk to people about redemption. If you're single, be celibate and use your celibacy to pray and to serve the Lord. Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the Pastor's Study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with Him. Pastor Brock, you read the verse that you say, say that Simeon was righteous. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that go against Romans 3 where Paul says no one is righteous, yes. no not one? Right, right. And-
1: so what do we do with a verse that says he's righteous and then paul says nobody's righteous we all need christ Well, i think there's two ways to handle it sometimes the bible takes a word and uses it one way with a meaning in one verse and it's a different meaning in a different verse for instance paul says we're justified by faith apart from works of the law romans three james says in the book of james so you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only and so what's going on here? Well, Paul is talking about a living faith in Christ that does produce a different life. It changes your life. James is talking about a dead faith that even the demons have. But if you were to put Paul and James in the same room and ask them, are we saved by faith alone? Both of them would say yes, and we're not saved by good works, but both would agree, but true faith in Christ does change you. So sometimes a word just determined by the context means two different things. You can also answer it this way, that... Simeon was righteous. He was perfect, because he was believing in the baby Jesus who would make him perfect.
2: Okay, I guess that answers it then. Is there a difference between how people had the Holy Spirit like in the Old Testament and how we have the Spirit in the New Testament Mm -hmm.
1: today? Yeah, there is a difference because in the Old Testament maybe a, a a prophet would have the Holy Spirit, or a king. King David would have the Holy Spirit. And it was kind of a select few. But when Pentecost comes, uh, the prophecy in the Old Testament is one day I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your old men will prophesy and your monk, young men will see dreams, etc., etc. And so in the New Testament, anybody who's a believer in Christ gets the Holy Spirit. It was more limited in the Old Testament.
2: But the Holy Spirit existed yes, in indeed, the Yes, indeed, because the Holy
1: Spirit is God and is eternal. Right, yes. okay.
2: So, Pastor Brock, is it a sin to want to die if you're an older person?
1: Well, uh, you know, here we have Simeon said, Lord, let me now depart in peace. He wanted to die. He had seen what he was still old, alive to see, because God told him, you're not going to die till you see him. And then, okay, Lord, let's go. (laughs) It's a sin to kill yourself. It's a sin to try to hasten your death. But I don't, I mean, Jackie Paul, the apostle said, I desire to depart and be with Christ. That is far better. Nevertheless, I'm going to stay on earth for your account, Christians. So I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting it.
2: Okay. Well, I guess we were just kind of the way that was. Now, you talked about Anna being celibate. And I guess, how do you know if God is calling a person to be celibate, mm-hmm. single or married? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Wh- what are the advantages to each? Okay, Let's well, go you that. know,
1: how do you know if God wants you to be a single person or married? Right. One of the clues is 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul says it's better, marry than, better to marry than to burn with passion. So if you've got a huge problem handling your sex drive, that's probably God's say, get married. <laughs> but on the other hand, Paul says if you can handle it, it's better to be single because you'll have more time and energy to serve the Lord. And but both are a calling. It's it is a special calling of God to be single, but marriage is also a special calling of God. We need both, or the church would have become extinct a long time ago. So you know, we there are advantages to being single. There are advantages to being married. So it, it's not. Only the Lord knows who should be single and who should be married. We pray about it. We seek Him, and and in His time, He reveals things. Yeah.
2: Okay. And you talked about fasting. I guess, how should Christians fast today? Mm -hmm. I mean, or how often? Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's up to every individual. But remember that Jesus did not say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. And so I think this is something Christians need to do. I need to do it more. Jackie, in recent years, I haven't fasted much at all. But periodically, what I do, I take 24 hours and I drink water during that time, but I don't eat food. And I and sometimes I go longer, but 24 hours is kind of my norm, where I just eat, drink water. And you know, if you fast for 24 hours, I get more alert. I've got a lot more time on my hands. (laughs) You know, you have you you do uh, it's amazing how much time you think of food. You know, so or prepare it. So just it's a you, you do it. I do it when I'm in trouble, when I really need wisdom from the Lord. I just per, I just do fast.
2: So how often should a person do this?
1: You know, again Jesus said when you fast, he didn't say how often to do it. Uh, but I, I guess I'm I, I don't know the answer to that. But we should do it more than we're doing it. You hardly ever hear of people fasting.
2: So are we commanded to fast? Well,
1: again Jesus said when you fast, don't you know make it obvious to the public. You know do it privately. So I think I think in a way we are commanded to fast.
2: Okay. Um, just a little over a minute left, but you were talking of, we were talking about dying and that what 's your opinion of mercy killing for older people? Yeah. Um, there are so many people living longer now that are in such awful mm-hmm. pain mm-hmm. and that, yeah, and we are seeing more mercy killing
1: well, state of Washington and state of oregon have have mercy killing. You can get the doctor to agree to it in your terminal or whatever they 'll kill you in washington i saw i saw I saw a a cartoon about this, a nurse stepping into the waiting room and saying, the doctor will kill you now. And Jackie, it's evil. It's evil to kill an unborn baby in the womb. It's evil to kill an old person who's in pain. We have so much more advantages today. I mean, we have all kinds of drugs, but it's never been right to take human life. So the answer is
2: it's wrong. So it's wrong either way. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's... a hard thing for some doctors and nurses and that that are dealing with people in I'm not saying you die.
1: have to sometimes you let people die but you don't starve them and you don't put things in them to poison them you know?
2: Okay. Yeah. well we want you to know that we have our own website it's wwwpastorsstudy two s's pastors study all one word dot org and you can watch it at any time to see these shows or Tell other people to watch it if you want them to see a certain show. We pray that you would take a look at that and you'll have our address and see what we're doing and what we need and how you can be a part of that. Continue to pray for this ministry and we just thank you for being with us this week and we pray that God would grant you his richest blessings until we're together again next time.